Hi, Jerry. How you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, it's working. Good. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, I'm Mary Doolitt, and welcome to the ninth episode of Recreation Therapy, a Canadian Perspective. Happy Recreation Therapy Month. Um, a disclaimer before we get started is that I'm currently working as a recreation therapist um, with Fraser Health, and my views are my own and not a reflection of my employer. I'm very excited today about the episode special for Recreation Therapy Month. And honestly, I feel like this introduction doesn't um, do justice, um, but I'll provide a brief summary. So Jerome F. Singleton, PhD, CTRS, also kindly known as Jerry, is a professor emeritus who formerly works um, in Recreation and Leisure Studies Department in the School of Health and Human Performance at Dalhousie University. Dr. Singleton's research focused on areas of leisure and aging. He graduated from the University of Waterloo with a Bachelor's of Recreation honors degree, um, then completed his Master's of Science degree in Recreation at Pennsylvania State University and his PhD in Leisure Studies at the University of Maryland. He also completed the academic requirements for a doctorate certificate in gerontology at the University of Maryland, and he made a fellow of the World Demographic Association in 2006, and also made fellow of um, the Academy of Leisure Science by the Society of Parks and Recreation Education in 2011. Dr. Singleton has published approximately 100 journal articles during his career and made over 500 presentations locally, nationally, and internationally related to the area of leisure and aging. He is a CTRS who has served in a variety of recreation therapy professional organizations, provincially, nationally, and internationally, like the NCTRC. Dr. Singleton has assisted in the CART accreditation process for the University of Lethbridge and Dalhousie University. He also has been an external reviewer of therapeutic recreation programs at Douglas College and Temple University and an external reviewer of St. Thomas um, and University of North Carolina, Willingdon, gerontology programs. Dr. Singleton has advised 28 master's students and sat on committees of nine PhD students and been external um, for 21 master's students and eight PhD students and sat on committees for 38 master's students um, as a committee member and chaired 16 master's students committees during his career. And, and that's just like a, a drop in the bucket really because I have pages here of items. So thank you so much for joining. Oh, thank, thank you for having me. And before we get started myself, I should acknowledge that I reside in Nova Scotia, located in Mi'kmaq, the ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq nations. We are all treaty people. I wish to acknowledge the histories, contributions, and legacies of the African Nova Scotian people and communities who have been here for over 400 years. I also wish to acknowledge the Acadian communities in Nova Scotia and the Nova Scotia heritage here as well. I also wish to acknowledge that all the material I present are my own based, based upon evidence and experience in therapeutic rec 
I've gained as an educator and a therapeutic rec professional and do not represent any of the agencies I've worked with during my career. Prior to answering your questions today, I also clarify I'm a Canadian born in Kitchener, Ontario and attended the University of Waterloo undergrad grad program. As Tristan Hopper has indicated, it has a great co-op program. I graduated from the regular program since I had worked in recreation since I was 16 years old and worked with the Kitchener Parks and Recreation Department year round during my educational career. I also want to acknowledge, Mary, thank you for organizing these podcasts. I've had the opportunity to listen to all of them. I wish to thank the individuals who have taken time. Trisha Ra 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 from Douglas College, I messed her name up. Diane Botwell, the ATRA Executive Director, Heather Baker, who discussed licensure in Nova Scotia, and Richard, the Executive Director of NCTRC. Uh, I've known all the directors of NCTRC from Peg Conley, Bob Riley, to and Rich Richard. Uh, Jackson and Lake Layton, TR uh, Journal for Ontario. T T uh, Tanya, who is a Yukon, it works in the Yukon, is also a Douglas College graduate. Dr. Lauren Cripps, the interim editor of the new, new TR Journal for Canada. Tristan Hopper at the University of Regina. And I understand Anne-Marie Sullivan, who is the interim dean Memorial University presenting in the future. Each of the presenters presented interesting insights. The themes I identified during these sessions were A, Canada needs a standard education experience, B, standard entry to practice requirements, i.e. being a certified therapeutic rec, C, evidence-based practice research or outcome measures, and the regulation slash licensure. They also provided interesting insights into what they see for the next 10 years. The number one was advocacy of RT, to be consistent entry to practice, licensure or regulations, some provinces develop TR professional groups, and the academic programs need to be accredited uh, by CART to provide standard education and also hold the academic delivery system accountable that their educators be at least masters trained CTRS so that there can be a link to the practice. So I just wish to thank you, Mary, for taking the leadership to doing this, but I also wish to thank Kohita in New Zealand, who also is organizing the uh, sessions for understanding global TR. So we are, a profession that is globally. And I also want to acknowledge that in Canada right now, we currently have about 1,032 CTRSs. And I will go through more of the details. Example, I believe there's 155 CTRSs currently in Alberta. When I went to Alberta in 2015 to assist Tristan, uh, uh, I had Tristan Hopper assist me to develop the curriculum. At the University of Lethbridge, they only had 35 CTRSs. In 2021, they have 155. Nova Scotia has 222. So we as a community move forward. We need to have addressed these issues that my colleagues that have identified previously in their podcasts. 
now you can go ask me the first question. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I, I smiled through that whole thing. Thank you for that. I just want to, and thank you for your land acknowledgement and all your acknowledgements. Um, I just want to mention um, Thana Wasalu. I know it's kind of a mouthful. Um, the rec therapist from the Yukon that was on my podcast. Yeah. Yep. So, I couldn't say her name. So sorry. No, <laughs> I had to ask her. See, when I get people to email me, if they have tricky names, I get them to... <laughs> Tell yeah. me the pronunciation, even though I, I called Anne Richard, Anne Richard for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so my first question is, I have heard you, I have heard of you being referred to the godfather of recreation therapy in Canada. Um, where do you think that name comes from? And when did it start? Well, that's really an interesting question. Uh, I really... Uh, I had to review the definition of a godfather before I even went further to provide a history of it. You know, there's two definition, a man who presents a child at baptism and promises to take responsibility for their religious education. Well, I'm an educator, not into doing religious education. And the other one is a person who is influential or pioneering in a movement or an organization. Well, that's uh, really an interesting perspective. I think this emerged in the early 80s when I, when I arrived at Dalhousie University and when I started working with students in other provinces and other and individuals in Nova Scotia, I provided them assistance to understand quality assurance that we need to strive for for providing quality services to the people we serve. And by that, we need to have a minimum entry to practice guidelines. So over the years, I assisted uh, individuals when they asked me questions and then assisted professional organizations like in Nova Scotia, the emergence of the Atlantic Canadian Society for Therapeutic Rec Association, the emergence of the uh, activity directors, which became the Nova Scotia Recreation Professionals in Health, which merged into the Nova Scotia Therapeutic Rec Association. I assisted individuals in Newfoundland in developing their professional organization. And also, I wasn't part of the founding aspects of CTRA, which I'll explain later. Uh, I, I sat on a lot of committees. So I think it just basically came around that I provided individuals the opportunity to ask me questions, and I would ask them, how would they answer it? And I attempted to empower them that they had the answer, but they just need to understand how to find the evidence to demonstrate that. Nice. Um, can you speak about your 30 plus years at Dalhousie, especially around um, changes and standards and professionalization of education? That's really uh, something that's very interesting. One of the things TR curriculums across Canada during the 70s and 80s and globally have been inconsistent. When I first arrived at Dalhousie, we had three courses based upon what faculty, faculty members felt the field needed at the time. The area was also called leisure and special populations. I used the term therapeutic rec uh, and as a, as a professional. I once... During the period of time, the first 10 years, I tried to get curric the curriculum revised. But when Dr. Colleen Hood joined the, the faculty, 
we and myself, Niall Ibsen, Charlie Ballum, did a curriculum review from input from professionals in the field. As a result of that, we found out, determined that there, there's two different professions that the program was trying to bridge. The first from 1981 to about 1990, the program was a general recreation. As a result of the input from the professionals in the field and the curriculum review, it was determined that we had two professions emerging, the Bachelor of Recreation and Management and it was determined by the professionals that provided input that they needed more management background. As a result of that, a dual degree was developed that students that entered rec management would complete the requirements for the Bachelor of Management as, as well as the Bachelor of Recreation Management. So after five years, the students would graduate with two degrees and have the entry requirements to enter the field of recreation management. During that curriculum review, it was to ascertain that the profession of therapeutic recreation was different. As a result of the input from the professionals, the curriculum was revised to meet the standards to, for educational knowledge and competencies set by the National Council for Therapeutic Recreation Certification. All students had to meet the standards and the curriculum uh, meet the standards for entry to practice that meant completing their internship under a CTRS. This program then emerged and the, the recently both programs, the Bachelor of Therapeutic Recreation, Recreation Round Bracket Therapeutic Rec has, was accredited in 219 by the CART accreditation process, which was the first program in Canada to do that. In 2021, the Bachelors of Management was accredited by the Council of Accreditation of Parks and Recreation Therapy so that the students meet the standards for enter to practice that. So what happened at the beginning, individuals, the curriculums, the variability across Canada, some programs would only require one course and then basically the they individuals would graduate and could call themselves therapeutic recreations professionals this over the years this has was i saw the emergence of the theme of individuals meeting the standards for their graduates to meet the standards for nctrc so that they enter to practice uh, enter practice based upon completing the requirements such as Douglas College, University of Regina, um, Memorial University, Concordia, Waterloo, Brock, and recently Seneca. So therefore, what I've seen over the th almost 40 years in education, the emergence of consistency, but education has to move towards meeting the standards of accreditation. So therefore all educators, in my estimation, who teach in therapeutic rec should have a master's minimum and BSc TRS. I support the CART accreditation requirements because it holds the academics accountable to the professionals through the professional advisory committee 
and it ensures a dialogue that enhances the education of the students enrolled in therapeutic recreation. That's so interesting um, that Dalhousie was just accredited in 2019, um, not too long ago. And then what you say about um, the generalized recreation program, and this is another topic and it might not be good to get into it tonight, but um, it makes me think about in Saskatchewan, um, how there's the CTRA chapter and then there's um, SARP, which is a generalized um, professional organization and just the debate around that um, for professionals, for continuing education and stuff like that. But that's that's really um, the debate is about uh, two different needs, professionals, uh, membership and requirements that they have versus um, the standards that would move individuals towards regulations and licensure where individuals with example and NCTRC, I have to do continuing education units to maintain my uh, certification standard. It's continuing learning. It's a process that empowers all of us, but also you're bringing up an interesting point is that, as I mentioned earlier, we had two professional groups here in the province, Nova Scotia Recreation Professionals Health, and then the Therapeutic Recreation Association of Atlantic Canada that merged together to the Nova Scotia Therapeutic Rec Association to re recognize that we need to have a standard voice to move forward. The also the other issue that you're raising is similar to what occurred when I first got here in Nova Scotia. I began to work with colleagues in the School of Nursing on aging research. During that time, the nursing um, profession was moving to a bachelor's degree entry requirement. Doesn't this sound familiar? And they, the professionals in the field, by the year 2000, would need to have a bachelor, rec, a bachelor of nursing to continue practicing. The second part about that is that the individual agency that they worked with would allow the, enable the individuals to hold their own positions until they retired. But once they retired, the person that was going to move into that nursing position had to have a bachelor's of nursing. There is a solution for long-term is that, but there's such a variability across Canada in each province because of the healthcare and the various professional groups. In nursing, they had a minimum entry to practice was a two-year diploma across Canada. Then they nationally indicated this is the direction to move in. Therapeutic rec is really a provincial aspect and each province has its own health mandate and requirements uh, for service delivery, but also each province has their own educational systems that either has a TR program or they don't have a TR program. Example, Manitoba does not have a TR program and therefore, there's only, I believe, five CTRs in the whole province uh, versus Nova Scotia, as an example. We have 222. Ontario has 322. Alberta has 155. And BC, I believe, has 148 um, CTRSs. 
So you're bringing up a complicated question, but he also one of the things is that I can reflect, we've come a long way in the last 40 years. Change takes time. It also has to take a united voice to move forward. And that united voice will need to come through norming and storming and moving the field forward. As long as we're consistent in moving the field forward based on the knowledge and competencies that need to be demonstrated for entry to practice and the quality assurance of the, for the people we work with. I agree. I actually, on um, March 3rd, I'm going to have Taylor Owens from Manitoba, who is the chair of the Saskatchewan Manitoba chapter currently. So get some more well, insight about what's going on there. Well, say hi to Taylor. She's a graduate <laughs> of Dell. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's yeah, great. So. Um, and, okay. and she so, told me she never wanted to leave Nova Scotia, but I'm glad she's in Manitoba now. Oh, she's from Nova Scotia and went to Manitoba? Oh. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey. She's happy. I'm happy yeah. she's there. Yeah. I know she bought a house last year, so I guess good quality mm -hmm. of life. Um, okay, so what year did you become a CTRS? I know the answer to this, but maybe the listeners don't. And what do you think? Um, oh, and why do you think it's important for practitioners to become certified? That's okay. Let me get the first part. To understand the historical framework, I became a master's trained therapeutic recreation specialist in 1979 under the National Therapeutic Rec Society guidelines. The National Therapeutic Rec Society is no, lo no longer exists. In 1981, NCTRS, at that time, there's only 300 individuals that were master's trained therapeutic rec specialists at that time. In 1981, NCTRC came on and it required all master's trained therapeutic recreation specialists to sit for the exam. In 1990, I flew to Boston to sit for the NCTR exam, exam and I passed it, yes. I, the question I have is how can the profession move forward without minimum entry to practice? CTRS is the minimum entry to practice to ensure quality assurance for people we work with. In 2009, the certification task force recommended and was passed by CTRA to endorse CTRS as the minimum entry for ensuring for quality assurance. So therefore, why individuals should become CTRS is ensuring individuals consistent are consistently trained that we're ensuring the safety of the people we work with. Um, it's really, I can't say I'm an OT physio nurse because I don't have the background. We need to have consistency in delivery. And it's also the debate about individuals whether it's a diploma or a degree i'll end that debate it's a degree and you have to meet the standards for ctrs um i i like everything you just said and that sounds good and i believe it to be true as well um, it's also true for individuals that are currently have ctrs the fear of individuals are non-ctrs is how is it going to impact upon their work? And once again, I would say that individuals currently working 
would keep their jobs, but once they retire, those positions need to be replaced by CTRS to ensure that the individuals we serve have uh, quality assurance in the consistent service, uh, consistent delivery of services. So it's going to take time, and it's going to take. That's why once you're regulated and licensed, then the only people that can use the name therapeutic rec or rec therapist are those individuals that meet the standards to entry to practice. Yeah, and something interesting that I think it was Heather mentioned um, when we move towards regulation that provincially you need to have a set number that is already certified to show, you know, that that is the standard because if most people practicing under that title don't have CTRS, then politicians are, are not going to be as moved towards it, right? And then I think the other thing for me about CTRS that's uh, the most important that does lead to better quality of care and reduction of harm is the continued education piece. So always learning. And I don't know about other CTRSs, but I definitely sit in more education than is required. Um, so I think it's just good practice. It's also the fact when I first came here in 81, individuals were uh, working in, in calling themselves activity directors or uh, therapeutic recreation professionals could have come out of uh, the kitchen staff, could come out from individuals or C CAs, but there was no consistency of service delivery across Nova Scotia. It's also you have to have champions in their your healthcare service like Andrew Ritzy and Andrea Waters uh, Andrew Ritzy, uh, in his professional career, ensured that individuals who were hired had to be a, be a CTRS. Andrea Waters, in 2006, went to the IWK as the sole therapeutic rec specialist. Today, in 2021, she has 13 therapists working for her, and also under the long-term care act i believe ctrs is the title for it to be hired by change takes times but also i think heather addressed that you need to advocate and get to know those government individuals she indicated that we've gone forward three times but the government's uh, the, the government the elected people at the time got defeated so we had to start working with the next party and the next party. So it's really trying to keep TR at the forefront for advocacy. And the other point is that you have to have consistency with the number of individuals who are CTRS. So example, Nova Scotia, we have 222 now. We're moving to that tipping point. And I will just say, um, because in a lot of provinces, there's the argument about entry level to practice. And then if we can't get that sorted, um, then CTRS is just another level. Don't even have that conversation now, right? But you have had yours for many years. Um, so let's not pretend like it's a new thing. Um, and then the other piece is how you kind of spoke about how people would be working under different titles and come from like the kitchen staff or whatever, just meaning that they don't have the qualifications for entry level to practice in those roles. Um, well, I think that's still 
a common thing in other provinces, especially the central provinces more than others probably, um, where it's that whole title protection piece. That's what me and Dr. Tristan Hopper worked on um, with his master's student, Rochelle Silger, about um, the impact of varying titles on the profession. And hopefully that'll get published um, in the TRO journal this year. Good, because it's really, you're building on the work of Gen Gen Jennifer Ridgeway on curriculum diversity, her master's at Brock, and Tanya Conclave's uh, research at Dow with me on what were example of knowledge and competencies that individuals need to enter to practice. Uh, what we, it, it, you raised a question, it's also the history of each province needs to be considered. So therefore, if example, Nova Scotia, gets licensure, then other provinces may want to learn about the process and how Nova Scotia was able to achieve that. And Nova Scotia has gone through similar norming and storming perspectives as other provinces. But somehow Nova Scotian professionals came to a similar understanding of where the field should be going in Nova Scotia. So some provinces haven't had this debate yet, but it, it will be resolved and it will be done. But once one province goes, example, Nova Scotia or Alberta or uh, BC, but these need to be framed within the history and the development of therapeutic rec as a profession. The pro CTRA can provide guidance, but it's really a provincial responsibility to move this forward to guarantee that the next generations of individuals entering this field have a standard entry requirement. And the one currently now is a bachelor's there was some discussions and it was mentioned in one of the podcasts about a master's. In my estimation, that will not happen until we have everybody that has graduated, um, that have moved into professional, have a bachelor's degree, who are CTRS. OT and physio moved in that direction only because they're they, have, they had a lot of individuals applying with a bachelor's degree already to get into another undergraduate degree. We're not at that critical mass that we have individuals interested in that. There's an interesting University of Lethbridge, uh, when Tristan and I set the program up, decided to make the, pro well, if asked the program and facilitated the program would have distance education. And the reason why was the majority, there's over 4,500 individuals that are members of professional organizations that are therapeutic rec approximately. At that time, there was less than 500 CTRSs. The reason that we moved that forward was to enable individuals that are currently practicing that want to finish a degree to go back and do it online. And since 95% of the professionals are in the field are women, this would make it more accessible potentially. That was an exciting opportunity. And now I see a lot of individuals like Janet, Janique Terrio, uh, Gary Camo, 
going back to meet the requirements to be a CTRS. So the opportunity to move forward and individuals that are current practicing could gain access to that, but also University of Lethbridge has done, done something very interesting. So if you have a bachelor's in another area, kinesiology, et cetera, you can go back and finish the two-year degree, the poem, the degree, and become a CTRS. And I've seen uh, one of the individuals who completed kinesiology degree at the University of New Brunswick go back and finish the degree, and it was now working as a certified therapeutic rec specialist. So there is a solution as long as the information is provided to individuals to make the decision to go back and meet the standards to become a CTRS. Yeah, I feel like that was a good point that you just brought up that people may not be aware of. And I know there was one or two um, diploma students in Saskatchewan that went back and, you know, completed their internship and now are able to sit for their CTRS too. So that's awesome to see. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So uh, why is mentorship important? And um who are some of your mentors that have helped shape your approach? Because you've mentored so many people. Um, let's see. Where am I? I'm trying to keep, as Tristan indicates, I'll talk for hours. So I've, I've got, and I told him up front uh, that I drafted something because he hurt my feelings. But I just uh, want to let Tristan know that's all right. I bug him no. all the time. You know um, what, can I just say that um, this is the first episode where I actually had some help drafting the questions because I, I have not met you and I'm not from the East Coast. So um, Heather Baker and Tristan Hopper, um, well, Heather Baker got some feedback from Nova Scotia and contributed to some of these questions. <laughs> well, that's good. They're keeping yeah. me on my toes. So yeah. They, they know um, you. Okay. And what question number question so is this, this is number five, five i think the first part about the 30 graduate students oh yeah okay correct yeah. internship is really important to provide students the trans um the transition in a protected environment to the applying the knowledge and skills and it's really interesting that there was a change at one time internships could be under individuals that worked in the field. Then NCTRC required that the uh, internship supervisor be a CTRS, which I thought was a great move so that they're entering and being mentored by somebody that is also already a CTRS. Then NCTRC then moved to recommend and, and require that the academic internship coordinator Will also be a CTRS. So we at Dalhousie, we had the opportunity to have Crystal Watson do it for a while. Then I became it. Now we have uh, became the internship supervisor. And then uh, Kim Woodford is the current CTRS internship supervisor. Internship allows the individual to demonstrate the knowledge and competencies in a systematic way over 16 weeks. That's the Dalhousie requirement uh, to gain exposure to all application of the knowledge and competencies under the supervision of a certified therapeutic rec specialist. Internship is also the opportunity 
for individuals to network more prior to their graduation. But it's also one of the things that I encourage that the first year that they enter the program, they become a member of the professional association. At that time, it was the Therapeutic Rec Association of Atlantic Canada, on which now would be the Nova Scotia Therapeutic Rec Association, so that they would then network with individuals. I came off a networking session by the National no, the Nova Scotia Therapeutic Rec Association tonight, and they had current students uh, in the Nova Scotia Community College program, the TR program at Dell, and professions across the pro professionals across the province. And this really, it was interesting to see <clears throat> one of my former students, and then his daughter is currently in the program, um, meeting the standards to move into the field. So internship is in my estimation, but also experiential learning prior to in classes is very important, but also students need to take responsibility for finding workplace opportunities during their academic career in a therapeutic recreation program to work under the supervision of a certified therapeutic rec specialist, not just wait for the last 16 weeks. <laughs> Yeah, I worked in the field um, after, I, at the end of my first year, I started working in different uh, diploma level positions and it definitely prepared me um, once I was in my internship and then also for practicing after because I had that experience for some of those different situations and approaches. It's also the fact is that there is a wide variety, under the supervision of CTRS, the individual will be guided to why why they're offering the program and is it on the individual's interest and it how is it going to assist them physically psychologically socially and have measurable outcomes not just to provide a program which often i see as the example i use every long-term care facility has bingo i hate bingo and if I get into a long-term care facility, I'll probably act out and I'll be called aggressive, hostile. And I'm really glad restraints will not be applied anymore. So the consistency of why the students need to work under a CTRS is because they will be entering the profession and to move the profession forward, they need to have work experience under a CTRS. There may not be restraints, but you'll probably be medicated. Yeah, probably. I'll be strapped in a chair. And I'll, anyways, <laughs> you're, I'll, you're, you're or else they'll be giving me some good drugs. I, you know, hope either yeah. way. Sorry. Free, free legal drugs. <laughs> legal drugs. Yeah. Hey, I got some connections. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I will say um, when I started my first role, uh, her name's Megan Brooks now. She was at a long-term care facility and she just changed it so much. And the staff that were working there, um, like some didn't even have therapeutic recreation schooling background. And she really had to provide a lot of mentorship and like uh, foundational knowledge and approach because um, yeah, people can't just lose their jobs, but there's a different way of practicing. Um, that's, you know, evidence-informed, evidence-based um, to promote better quality of care and outcomes. 
And it's also the fact that, that there are individuals that have been champions across Canada. The example, Laura Fielding, went out to Canuck Place, I think, in about 20 years ago and said, let me demonstrate the efficacy of therapeutic rec. Canuck Place is uh, a palliative care facility for individuals with cancer, children with cancer. Yeah. And then she demonstrated the efficacy of it. And now uh, she's one of the champions. And the work by Kelly Duckworth on evidence-based research is a standard. The work by Rhonda Booth and Colleen Lawler here in Nova Scotia, applying the, the material Kelly Duckworth provided. We can learn from others and we just need to keep striving to move forward. Yeah, Kelly's fact sheets. Um, my one of my friends partnered with her and did a while well, they were supposed to do a presentation for CTRA, but it's it's a really interesting and very thorough approach and an easy visibility for you know patients and clients and their families to see the benefits of why we do what we do. It's also based upon assess, plan, implement, evaluate using PICO. Uh, it's also what professionals use to demonstrate the efficacy of their service. And, and Adrian LeBlanc, one of my former students, we in, uh, master's students ended up discussing and debating about her thesis. And it really came down, she wrote an article and I assist her in that and getting developed is that we, use, we organize realities differently systematically. And it's, we use words and the aspect is that the academics use basically uh, terms that are equivalent to assessment. What's the question? What's the methodology? How are you going to plan? That's methodology on one side. What's the plan? How do you implement it? How are you going to carry out your research on the other side? And then your results and discussions on this side and on the uh, professional side, evidence and documentation. So we're just using different language. And I hear this debate consistently that practitioners are not um, sharing their information. Well, if all the CTRSs across Canada worked with the universities, there'd be 1,032 new, and as a result of all students doing a special projects during their internship, and if each university posted on with permission from the students and ensuring uh, confidentiality, that those special projects would be accessible on the university's websites. So if we did that for each of the graduates across Canada, then this information would be accessible that is basically unwritten. You've taken the next step working with Tristan and his graduate student to get it published. If we can then move back and say each of the special projects across Canada and each of the universities, example, there might be 25 individuals out of Dalhousie, there'd be 25 different special projects that professionals across Canada can gain access to and understand how the TR process is applied in a wide variety of environments. Yeah, and maybe even that could be a partnership with CTRA that they could post it on their resources tab. And that's even better, taking my concept that each of the universities link with them and then under the CTRA, 
it is then logged out and then it's shared in a systematic way. So, hey, we found a solution. Uh, I think we'll just solve the world's problems today. Oh, that's great. <laughs> then are we going over to resolve world peace next? <laughs> uh, that's out of my scope. <laughs> yeah, it's out of our good. And that's another point. If, yeah. if individuals are certified, we'll understand that certain things are out of our scope and we don't go there. So we refer or defer. Um, yeah. Okay. So can you speak? Of, okay. This one was from Tristan. He was interested in this one. He told me about this. So um, can you speak about unconventional connections that you've made to help advance the field and fill unmet gaps? Um, for example, the city of Halifax. Hey, it's, it's, it's really, uh, Tristan gave you this, but it's not really unconventional. unconventional. I started out in therapeutic recreation, working in the uh, Kitchener Parks and Recreation, providing TR services for children and adults with who are with different levels of ability. All my experience was in which the environment was called community. When I moved to, uh, to, with my Sandy, my part, wife, uh, to Ohio State, I worked at Dodd Hall Rehabilitation Center. And then I was called a clinical therapist versus a community therapist. I'd like to put this debate to end. TR is a process, it has different environments that individuals provide the service in. It's really where individual and the all therapeutic rec specialists need to provide outcome measures. I also like to say that the put the rest the theme of medical model versus social model that is once again divides understanding. That's why I'm leaning. I've moved towards the international classification of function which really pulls together resources to understand the individual, the biological, historical aspect, the culture, and also worried about the culture defining the experience. So when the question that you asked is really interesting because I felt my students at one time, I taught uh, therapeutic rec management and TR facilitation. And I thought, well, they might be the first student going into an environment. How are they going to develop a policy and procedure manual? How are they going to write a specific program plan? So I matched up with Halifax Recreation, um, the police department, Easter Seals, Special Olympics, and the university. I believe the uni all universities across Canada should have a therapeutic rec specialist to uh, assist students to make the transition into um the university. As a result of that, I found a champion on the other side, various champions, but the one that stepped up was Damien Stapleton. When I first got here in 1981, they had hired an individual, um, three individuals that worked in the area of leisure and special populations. But during the conceptual framework of normalization and integration, they eliminated those positions. And determined that all recreation providers would integrate individuals. 
during that period from 1989 until the work that I uh, initiated with Damien, the people that were ignored being, in my estimation, underserved were those individuals with various levels of ability. Damien worked with me with five years with the classes and each year the class would go back and I'd assign five students to it and they'd work through the previous policy and procedure manual, enhance it, reach out to other communities across Canada and in the specific program plan, they each year they would do a different program and set up the criteria, etc. So it's really trying to give the students the opportunity to learn once they leave. They're not going to be able to go into a program like the IWK. It's been there since 2006. Or work in the Nova Scotia Health Authority. It's been around since 1989. There might be the first therapist. And how do they, how do they develop a policy and procedure manual and effectively deliver services? I worked with these groups and it was also an education experience that the students gained from is that they had to answer questions. They had to go back and say, oh, this is what it says in the book, but how do I apply it within the current policy and procedures that might be in the university and also within the police department? Example, in the police, the reason that I asked, you know, was considering why would I want to do that? is because they have community liaison officers who are basically police officers. I thought the role that the therapeutic rec specialist could be the community liaison officer to assist individuals empowering access and use of recreation and leisure opportunities within each of those communities. So it's basically, I wanted to provide the students learning, but give back to the community and Damien Stapleton, right now, I believe there's three CTRSs hired in HRM. And that's really good. It's going back to the original when I first came here. Well, I feel like some people from Nova Scotia need to come out west and do some of this good work. Yeah, well, you can learn. But it's basically, you have to, this is where the thing that it came from, because these questions came from the uh, community to me. And I thought then also became from professionals in the field. It's right now, uh, the individual at the IWK, uh, Andrea Waters, has done some great cha champion and setting up demonstration models for individuals to move the field forward. An example right now that they, example, they facilitated new positions working within uh let me see where is this uh i just saw one oh, homebridge uh rob grandy it basically it's an environment that was worked with by zach kraus who demonstrated a, uh did a demonstration project now it's become part of the iwk and also the fact is under the iwk right now there's a, a role our community of mental health is that they've hired an individuals at Escasoni Mental Health, and that's Robin Abbas. So basically it's facilitating and demonstrating the efficacy of the importance of hiring a therapeutic rec specialist. And that takes time. And it also takes champions to step up 
to build that bridge. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, can you speak about your research and the impact you've seen it have on the profession in Canada? Because I know it's not just in Canada, um, on one of the pages that you've done stuff in Asia and the States for sure. Well, most of the research is that I've done uh, completed is really through my grad students. And I look back and I reflect on that. There's, I think there's, you gave me the opportunity to reflect and there's about 70 different presentations. It could be higher uh, that I've, and publications with students involved or graduate students. And those articles have been read in other TR program programs to assist in the development of the field. An example of this is that how do I change my perception? And it's also a dynamic that I've always had. My students taught me and the professions enable me to raise questions. So when I've worked with students, I've all one class, I had all the professionals send in questions that they didn't have time to do. And I assigned each student in the class a partnership to answer that question using evidence-based practice. Therefore, the professional in the field gained access to that. And that really assisted the local development. And I learned also, it's also one of my grad students looked at assessments. And she basically tied, it's Andrea King, pick of the litter, understanding standardized assessment tools and assessment process with older adults and therapeutic rec. And that she got that published in 214. Then all of a sudden when Tristan joined me, what is assessment? Which led to the recent book by Tom Skelko and I and recreation therapy assessment based upon the input from Andrea King and Tristan Hopper. And that led to using the international classification of function to demonstrate the efficacy of TR. My research has really been empowered by the people I've worked with. And it's really, it has impacted on the development of Canada. And it's also the fact is that I've had some of the students um, previous students come back, Andrea Leahy and Janet Creelock, and they have their case studies that they did in their agency as practitioners get published in therapeutic rec journal. So I guess I'm more of an empower, um, an enabler and facilitator to demonstrate the efficacy of TR and individuals across Canada. And I always look at Kelly Duckworth's work saying that she has now made it accessible, what I've been trying to gain access. And then Colleen Lawler and Rhonda Booth are really making it user-friendly, using language that practitioners feel comfortable with to work with to demonstrate the efficacy of TR. So we're not alone. I'm not alone in this process. I really uh, empower individuals a second part of that question is who's been my mentors, right? Yes. Uh, there's been a variety of individuals. The example 
Wayne Taylor was an individual in Kitchener Parks and Recreation. He hired me to run programs for the summer for him in his area. In the previous year, I had a, a supervisor that I had to show up at 8 a.m., meet with them, and he'd give me a list of things to do at noon. I'd have to come back and check with them at 1 o'clock. I'd have to check with them, and he'd give me a list of things to do. And I was hired to do a job. And the next year, when Wayne was my supervisor, I walked in 8 o'clock and said, what do I do? He says, go do it. And I came back at noon. He says, "Here," I said, this is what I did. He said, I don't want to know what you did. As long as you don't hurt individuals or place individuals at risk, I hired you to do a job. And this is really how I've worked with individuals uh, professionally, but also with grad students and undergrad students. You're here to demonstrate what you've learned, answer the problem, and give me the solution. So he was one of my first ones. Uh, Elliot Avedon, uh, early pioneer in therapeutic rec. I remember a class in fourth year. He had given me St. Augustine and Veblen to understand how they connected to each other. Well, St. Augustine and Veblen, St. Augustine is uh, Catholic and Veblen. And all of a sudden it dawned on me one night after doing extensive work that St. Veblen is really saying uh, leisure should be accessible to all. And St. Augustine is saying, hey, access to God should be equal for all. You didn't have to go pay to get through it. So I come in after giving my presentation, I said, well, they're saying the same thing after I did. And all Dr. Avedon looked at me and said with a straight face, Jerry, you do not exist. The whole room went quiet. Then I went back, oh, geez, this is an existential argument. Mm. Then I went back and provided the evidence that provided me with the process to make the conclusion based upon scholars that provided direction and at the end he just said that's better you have evidence so from then on in i always learned that you need to have evidence to provide a process pros and cons and provided the conclusion based on the evidence i've had colleagues like fred humphrey uh he was uh the director of therapeutic uh, recreation and th a leader in therapeutic rec at the University of Maryland. Uh, it enabled me to understand accessing and using words that are outside. So his term was marginalized communities, individuals outside the mainstream. And I kind of like that term because it's not working with uh, middle class individuals individuals who are white, but it's also those individuals that are been marginalized by the dominant society. Charlotte Leedy, she didn't publish a lot, uh, but she provided me insights of saying, I didn't want to take the research methods course at uh, University of Maryland because it's the same book I did an undergrad and my master's, Fred Curlinger, Introduction to Research Methods. She empowered me to take a uh, research course and and gerontology. And she said, well, this will do you better than taking my course. She acknowledged that I'd already read the book twice, that re sitting and listening to the same content, content, content again would empower me and move forward. So she empowered me and permitted me. 
Herbie Lundegren uh, was an individual of Penn State, provided guidance and direction in the early development of therapeutic rec. Another one of my grad students, PhD student, Jacina Upshaw-McDonald, enabled me to understand that words frame our understanding, but we organize realities differently systematically. So how do we do that that excludes individuals? And also the best mentors I've ever had with my mom and dad, who only told me to do two things in life. Have fun and try your hardest. And I've been having fun and I've always tried my hardest. And so mentors come in a lot of shapes and forms from individuals that I've identified. And I've ignored a lot of individuals like Stuart Schlein, Rick Green, uh, Andrew Ritzy, uh, Tom Scalco, uh, Bob Beelan. I, uh, I can go on, Jimmy Calloway, Lad Colston. All of them have provided me a window of looking at life in a different viewpoint. Plus, my all my grad students empowered me to listen and to understand that each idea needs to be respected. That's amazing. I appreciate that. Um, and you're one of my mentors now, too. No, don't say that. That's too much. Yeah, they come in all ages. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, back at you. Um, uh, okay. So I, I think this is where you're going to correct me and maybe I'm wrong, but obviously I got the information from someone else, so I'll blame them. Um, it says, so you were at the table um, when CTRA was created, that piece I might have got wrong. Um, what was your, oh, sorry. What, what would your advice be um, to give around what is needed for to collectively move the profession forward nationally? And are there any initiatives or committees that aren't in existence now um, that we would benefit from? Okay. What question is that? Sorry. That's okay. Question eight. Okay. Just a minute. Okay. I like. You may have done oh, more prep than me for this. This one is really thinks that you know I'm older than dirt. I am. Um, <laughs> You're wise. I was not. I was not at the table with CTRA. Yeah. Was created individuals such as Denise Alexandra, Michelle Cormets, Jane Hasty, Heather McDonald, Valerie McLean, Darlene Murphy, Patrick Reddick, Sherry Sheffer, and Michelle Tilo were the original founders. But the first executive was Colleen Hood, my colleague. Uh, Natalie, as president, Natalie Guerin, vice president, Barbara Smith from Alberta, treasurer, Helen Dreskel was the Western director, Wendy Stewart, Prairie director, Flora Masella from Quebec, central director, Patrick Riddick, maritime director, Lisa Ostegi, certification director, and Rhonda Booth, special projects director. Uh, we need to recognize that Canada is diverse, so it's development of TR is really about the historical profession of professional development in each province. And health is regulated in each of the province. So the role of health in each province needs to be clear, clarified and demonstrated the efficacy of TR with a minimum entry of practice. But the history of TR education in each province differs. I've sat on a wide variety of committees of CTRA, one from the Certification Task Force, which Chris Richard chaired, and Chris is now the Richard is now on the NCTRC board. 
Uh, Andrea Waters is back on the NCTRC board as the international representative. But also one of the things that I like is that Carrie Brown, blanking on her married name, she's a Dow graduate. She works in Oregon and she's on the board of directors. And Angela Stewart, Stewart Star, Star, Angela is the current president of the board. And she's originally uh, from St. Catharines, Ontario and as a Canadian. So we have two undercover Canadians on the NCTRC board and two Canadians that sit on the NCTRC board. I've been the Atlantic Region Rep for CTRA, member at large, and program chair for the CTRA conference when Nova Scotia hosted it. I also assisted in developing local professional groups. Um, and basically what we need to do now <coughs> is have a really a discussion regarding the how to move the field forward on standardized education, which is going to be a difficult discussion because universities feel that they have the right to design curriculums. It's interesting because when I look at my allied health professionals, nursing, medicine, OT, physio, uh, pharmacy, they all meet knowledge and competencies for enter to practice to ensure quality assurance. And the professors in those courses have to have a degree in the respected area and they also need to have the competencies and knowledge embedded in the course. So this is going to be a difficult discussion, but it's also one that will be resolved when more universities move towards card accreditation, but also the role that professionals who are CTRS need to advocate that the educators also need to be minimal masters trained CTRS to move the field forward. So each province should have a committee on developing an input to each of the curriculums and universities. An example, University of Regina at one time, I was working with Doug Cripps and it took a letter from Chris Richard that a student wanted to do their internship with him. He wrote back to Doug and the Dean said, I really would like to take the students, but they're not eligible to sit for the National Council for Therapeutic Recreation Certification exam. Therefore, I cannot accept the student. The Dean goes to Doug, next thing you know, the University of Regina program now meets the NCTRC requirements for intro to practice. So input for the individual. So there's gonna be difficult discussions, but once again, there is no difficult discussions. The difficulty is having no discussions. So you asked me a question, what I think, it's really about developing provincially, but having some guidance and input from CTRA to assist the provinces to move forward.
So I just have a couple points that I would be interested on your uh, opinion. Um, if you're still good for time, I want to be mindful of your time. Um, no, no problem. I just don't want to go for the maximum here. I was trying to keep it down to a shorter time by reading. <laughs> I, I will say I'm drinking out of a smaller teacup tonight, and I did try to dehydrate before our... <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, no, I'm fine. But, um, okay, so one of the problems that I'm seeing nationally and provincially is that boards are having a hard time filling positions. And I have some opinions on this around, um, like, for me, I'm very mindful of how I spend my time, and I'm very cautious. Like, I was on the Saskatchewan Manitoba chapter board, and I've been on committees for BCTRA before. Um, but I'm very mindful that I don't want to go into a role, say, BCTRA asked me to be um, in the education director role. And I was very mindful that if I take that position, I might end up being asked to do all these other tasks that are outside that role. But really, like, my interest and my focus is regulation, right? So, um, so for me, I'm waiting for the committee, the regulations committee to start up in BCTRA. And I just want to be on that role. I want to focus my energies on that. Um, do you, have you seen this like as a problem for people like being apprehensive to join the board because, you know, seeing other um, board members like burn out just because there's too many tasks, there's too many polling areas. One of the things that, during my career, I I was the president of the Recreation Council for Persons with Disability, and I recognized that I had volunteers sitting on the board. So I assigned tasks that were measurable and manageable for individuals working. And I basically used task activity analysis to empower that they, example, each of the regional reps would have to hold one educational session. And my executive director would provide the support for the individuals doing that. First time we did that, individuals reported that they only had zero individuals attending or one or two. And they're all upset. And I'm going, hey, at least you had a uh, had an educational session. Next year, hopefully you get one. Next you already got one. Let's go for two next year. So basically setting up things that you feel and what in regulation i would suggest you setting up using the nctrc guidelines under advocacy and saying these are the things that i'm prepared to do but it's also the fact that it's not unusual when i run into individuals who are afraid to the same issue what is the commitment i'm already working 40 hours a week i cannot afford to give another 20 hours to volunteer but if I can carve out one aspect and find individuals to join that, I currently sit on uh, one of the education committee with NSTRA, and there's eight of us on it. Um, and then there's individuals that, uh, what's the other one, the conference committee, and there's about nine of us on that. But each of the tasks are set up. But it's also one of the things now, we have Zoom, and we can then say, look, how do we move through this under regulation? I would then say, what about the standardized entry to education? Well, you've got that already set up at Douglas College. Check. What about the number of CTRSs? You have 145 of those individuals. Check. How do we get more individuals to meet CTRS requirements? Educate individuals about the professional path at NCTRSC. And then next one, check. 
where can I go to distance education? University of Lethbridge, check. But delegate individuals within that to move forward. But you, you brought up a good point. Why isn't there a committee across Canada, in each province, under regulation of what's the process the individuals need to go through? It has to be meet the standards for the regulations, uh, regulate, regulator boards in each province, which vary, but also what are those things that will assist it? Number of CTRSs in the province, standard entry to practice. How do we empower individuals currently that are, do not have the CTRS? Maybe saying that by the year 2035, all individuals that would move into practice need to have a bachelor CTRS to uh, when you replace somebody. But it's also really interesting because when I found out when individuals, the variability across Nova Scotia, when I, I discussed this with some of the providers, I said, it's taken you usually two to three years to get the individual trained up to a point that they're basically understanding some of the concepts that will not place the individual at risk. Why don't you hire somebody that has who has CTRS, who already has demonstrated the entry to professional requirement? And how much money have you spent training somebody over three to five years that you can have somebody hitting the ground right away? So these discussions of looking at the question need to be thought a bit differently of what is the employer going to benefit? Quality assurance, risk management, all those things that the individuals we serve should have the right to access. So you raised a great question. How do you get more people involved? And that's some breaking it down to smaller tasks and then really having measurable outcome that they said they've achieved something within the period of time. So regulation here in Nova Scotia has been going on, I think Heather says 15 years and they've have a core group of people, but other individuals come in and provide support and guidance. Does that help you? Yeah. And I think for me, the big piece is a lot of asking members about what education they feel they need, like what they don't understand because it's so complex. I do want to say this other piece, and I, I also want to say I did not pay you for this before because you kind of um, spoke about it a bit in there. And um, um, I, I made a proposal to CTRA in November to um, chair a, a national regulations committee just a space for discussion to to have people just join and to share what's working what's not working well you know because it's different in Nova Scotia like you guys can create your own college in BC we can't create our own college so there's so many like differences provincially but there's also a lot of similarities and a lot of support and resources that people can bring back to their um, provincial associations if they want but it wouldn't be like a create work um, type of committee. It would just be space for discussion and people can join and leave whenever they want. Um, the CTRA has not um, not supported this. It's in discussion still. Um, but just knowing that there's so many different um, demands on time and priorities um, that I, I actually am going to make an announcement that I'm going to start creating space for these discussions and and letting people join in, and then hopefully down the road, it will be uh, in partnership with the CTRA. What I would suggest you doing is maybe partnering with 
individuals at Douglas College that might get some students involved to understand uh, uh, example when I did this what is the state of art TR across Canada I got my class I believe it was introduction to TR each pro each each student in the class got one province and they identified the current uh, requirements for those individuals to be part of the provincial group, what the provincial group provided, the numbers, et cetera. So maybe approaching Douglas College saying that, can they get uh, one of their classes? Can they, student one student each, be assigned to Nova Scotia? What is the history of development and what are the criteria for regulation? What's the require, regulation requirements in uh, BC in the process? then you at least have a framework or a large uh, spreadsheet to say it varies across Canada, but also it's really an educational experience for the students that even maybe request this with Tristan Hopper. He can understand what I'm trying to talk about as well. And it's just like he can move, maybe assign students to work with you in this collaborative. So breaking it down, because mm -hmm. one of the things that, historically that frustrated me i would enter a meeting at the end of the meeting i didn't know what we talked about and i didn't have an outcome measure what you have is an outcome measure what are the regulations what is the process for licensure regulations in each of the provinces what is the development and what is the history and what are the structures in each of the provinces and how they move this forward. And Heather Baker could probably provide, hopefully provide a checklist of the process and the information that they needed to need to present in a systematic way. I know Alberta has gone through the process and Diane Botwell has, I believe the document that they've gone up and presented. I believe Therapeutic Recreation Ontario has a document that they presented and they ran into a problem is really about the standardized education, standard entry to practice requirement that wasn't really uh, being met. So that each of the provinces have had lessons that would guide. So you got a great question, but you need to maybe assist yourself in saying, here's what we found. Now, what lessons can you, what, what can you do in your own province? So, the, hey, every question that I've run into, people told me why I couldn't do it. I always said, this is how I can do it. And you've got a great question and you can do this. And I've just outlined maybe a potential framework of how you can do this. Yeah, I think we just solved another problem together. Hey, that's why we need more podcasts that individuals... <laughs> will provide a different lens and then during the discussion there could be something that maybe potentially frames the solution so uh when i went through the other podcasts i said oh boy what i was going to say at the end is pretty similar to what they were saying <laughs> i need a better ending question maybe yeah um no no i liked your end question because <laughs> it really provided a lens to say here's eight different people but the same themes were appearing mm -hmm. 
And we're getting there too. We're almost there. Yes. <laughs> okay. I don't I don't think you're gonna make the longest time, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So oh, and this I brought up with Tristan when we were talking because I remember being at the conference at Dartmouth and you made a wonderful speech and said in 2019 we're gonna be licensed. And unfortunately, not yet. Um, so uh -oh. why? <laughs> That, well, yeah, no, it's really, that was my retirement. Oh, basically they roasted me. And one of my dreams was that 219, they would have it, but I knew that it wasn't going to happen with the political changes, but it was, I was trying to be optimistic and it's really 219 and it's 220, 221. Uh, hopefully by 230 that <laughs> the province will be regulated. It will happen. Yeah. So, but 22, but I, it was funny because I was like, oh, he's a very smart man. I'm like, oh, I guess this is going to happen. So there there are people who believe that. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's also they got to understand that uh, it, people should listen, but also challenge when somebody says something like that. And I knew I was going to get away with it. So uh, I, I, I should have said by it could potentially be 219, but I was just being optimistic. So. Yeah, and now we're talking about it. So yeah. Um, okay, so why are we not licensed, and what do we need to do both provincially and nationally to get there? Um, why is it important for our field? Well, it's important to become licensed. Is it really related to professional development? Um, it's really important to understand it is protecting the people we serve. So they're right now. One of the big questions across Canada is the inconsistency of TR service delivery for individuals in a wide variety of populations. Because individuals that are being hired, there's no consistent entry to practice requirement. Licensure ensures that the individuals practicing have met a minimum standard. So therefore it's important to move towards that. When I started, my undergrad in 1971, there was no discussions about licensure or regulation. It's also when I started, we're all in one swimming pool and there was no different training for individuals that were going into outdoor uh, leisure studies, administration or leisure and special pops. Now we have curriculums that provide entry to practice for therapeutic rec and curriculums that provide entry to practice rec management. So it's really important that we move forward. And, but also the fact is that each province will go through a different pro regulation process to ensure that the people we serve will be protected. Nice. And then if you're ready, this is the final question. Oh, goody. I have big hopes. I hope you're optimistic, but realistic. Yeah. <laughs> In 2023, we're going to be licensed. Okay. Um, where do you see recreation therapy in 10 years? And what is your what is your role? Hey, I hope to be here in 10 years. So that'd be great. My role would be still be active and on this side of the grass. Um, I also like this, you know, where the profession will be going or what you recommend. It's almost similar to what I did was, you know, you know, more advocacy of RT, a consistent entry to practice requirement, consistent education, 
that all provinces will, at least two provinces, no, at least one province will be licensed and one other TR program accredited by CART. So I've got manageable goals. If I exceed the one province that's uh, licensed, hey, it'd be great. And we have all the TR programs meeting the CART requirement, that'd be better. But one and one. But also the fact is that the development of professionals demonstrating evidence-based practice using Kelly Duckworth's process to share that information with each provincial organization that they can learn from best practice of other professionals in their province and across Canada. So it's really um, the future uh, is you, the future is future CTRSs and current individuals practicing to ensure quality assurance for individuals. So does that answer what you're looking at? An example right now, the historical aspect, I think I mentioned it earlier, there's 1,022 CTRSs across Canada. When I first got here, I think I was the only master's trained therapeutic rec specialist. Went back in 1990, and I believe I was one of the first CTRSs to pass the exam. But now it's like in Alberta, they have 155 and 215. I believe Alberta had 35, and Jane Parperson has been really an active member in that, as, and with also Diane Botwell. Um, and the University of Lethbridge only came online in 215. BC has 189 CTRS. Douglas College developed their four-year degree in 2009 because I was the external with two of my colleagues in 2008 to review the program. Manitoba has five, but that they have no uh, education process. New Brunswick has 16. They have no education. Northwest Territory, zero. Nova Scotia has 222. Inuvit has zero. Ontario has 322, which has University of Waterloo, Brock, and Seneca. PEI has one. Quebec has 19, which they have Concordia. Newfoundland has 58. And you got Memorial University and Anne-Marie Sullivan's been a champion there. And Saskatchewan has 47, and University of Regina is now the champion there. So change takes time. What about the Yukon? Yukon has, oh, eight. Okay. Yukon has eight. And this information is all available on NCTRC webpage under uh, verification of CTRS. There's a little box you can click on and they load by monthly or month, uh, every quarter the new stats. And I just got those today. So, Are there charts too, like graphs? Oh, yeah, there are charts. They're, all, <laughs> they're nice visual. Nice visual. In fact, I can flip you those later if you send me your email. Yeah. Oh, I like. Those. Oh, I got your email. So yeah. <laughs> um. Is there? Okay. I really appreciate everything we've talked about. Is there anything else that you want to discuss or bring up? Uh no. I think what you're doing is pulling TR together, but also one of the things is that TR is a global phenomenon. And it's really a understanding how we emerge. Of the 1,020 
38, I believe, CTRSs, 1,022 of those in Canada. The other 26 are in a wide variety of environments. I think there's four in Australia, two in New Zealand, uh, one or two in the United Kingdom, one or two in Spain. As we move forward, education and knowledge about TR is a global phenomenon. Knowledge doesn't stop at the 49th parallel. And it's, this is one of the things that I've been criticized, I think globally, but I act locally. And it's really important that we as a field understand that therapeutic recreation knowledge is not just limited to can Canada researchers. It's open to a global understanding of what therapeutic rec is. Yeah, there was a gentleman from uh, Australia that messaged me on LinkedIn and um, I'll likely have him as a guest. He actually did a research study with one of my um, profs from Douglas College um, to get that different perspective. It's just that people in Canada keep coming up and that's kind of my focus. Um, it's so interesting. But I'm, I've covered a lot of Canada already on here. Oh, yeah. You got, uh, uh, you know, Chris Richard would be great. Um, is this is this individual from... Uh... Australia. I forget his name. It's on, it's in my inbox. I'm Western Sydney university. Can't remember. Uh, it's what the heck? I think he came here to a conference. Um, oh, I know. Lona. Yeah. Yeah. And if you need any background on him, please drop me a line because he's one of the champions at the university of Western Sydney and, uh, he does great work and, uh, him and Nicole Peel, and Charles Zena uh, at the University of Western Sydney have a memorandum of understanding with the University of Lethbridge. So, yeah, he's he's got some good research. Do you know his name off the top of your head? No. <laughs> uh, just, uh, give me two minutes and I can find you his name right now. <laughs> I could um, too. Okay, I'll just I'll just say my my closing pieces here. Then I've okay, go ahead. But I, I'll I'll flip you that name. And but basically, thank you for doing this, Mary. Um and. Uh, you're one of the next champions of using the technology to empower Canada to understand the diversity of the emergence of therapeutic rec. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, don't leave because then it'll stop the recording. But um, yeah, yeah I, I, you just close it and end. Um, yeah, I, I actually wonder when your podcast is going to come out. Um, that would be very good. And then it's actually easy if I can do it. Um, so yeah, you shared a lot of historical information. And when you were saying it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember reading those um, dates and places and stuff when I've done different research projects, but it's really nice to have the history kind of summed up all together. Um, yeah, and I wanna thank you so much for your time. You know, I only met you for five minutes in person at Dartmouth um, oh. and, and look at how much like support you've given me for this podcast and just, um, yeah, you give that to everyone, I can tell. So really appreciative of that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, have a good day now. Okay, bye. Bye.